Welcome to Interplay Conversations in Music. This is Michael Shapiro, your host, and I am delighted straight from Malta, speaking from to him from Chappaqua, New York, Wayne Marshall. How are you, Wayne? Well, I'm fine, Michael. It is uh, good to be uh, uh, a patient on your on your on your on your broadcast. I'm really very patient. Very, very I like that term. I like patient. that term. That's it. Yeah. Like, we'll, 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 we'll both be we'll both be patient as far as our our appearances. I do well, want to mention that you uh, recently in the Queen's honors uh, about a year ago uh, w- was made an officer of the British Empire, an OBE, and which I find to be very very important because I have friends who are OBEs, and I have actually one friend who's a knight. So I hope the Queen gets around or the King gets around to making it. Uh, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, but, no, uh, Sir Wayne, that would be nice. But well, I see, but, I see. <laughs> I know my wife would love the, the idea. She'd be Lady Jennifer. But in any event, I, I do want to say that Americans, you know, in, in our recent election and situation, not this previous, this existing election, but the prior one, we were saying, I wish to God that the Queen was still ruling us. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe she could have gotten rid of that president. In any event, let's uh. stay to music and to stay away from politics just for a bit of time. You have a combination of factors in your life, which to me is thrilling. Because as a pianist, I understand what you do with these, as far as an organist and as a pianist, but you also have your, your legs, which you are amazing at. But you've combined this with this. And we first came into rough contact when I conducted, I think in October, October, and then you were in November, the Orchestra Sinfonica di Milano, Giuseppe Verdi, effective, effective, affectionately known as La Verdi. La Verdi. Oh, my God, what a place. Yeah. And, and you did Poulenc and Bizet there. But you conduct, and I've seen you do this, this wonderful website of this, of website uh, broadcast of you conducting from the keyboard. And you did the Poulenc that same way, huh, in La Verdi? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this ent- this entails talk about the process of preparing either I've seen you do Rhapsody in Blue with a very detailed cadenza, which is also online, but doing a piece like the Poulenc, which is not an easy piece to do, without a conductor and conducting well, yeah. from the keyboard. Number yeah. one, it's all it's all got to be in here. There's no score in front of you, I assume. There's no orchestral score. I mean, there's a piece which I know well. I mean, obviously, I mean, I've been, I, mean, I first played it, I think, in 1985 at the at the Albert Hall. It was for the for the no, actually, no, before actually I played it. Uh, it was probably about 1982. I played it actually in Chichester as part of the the Chichester Festival. Jane Glover was the then conductor. Wonderful. Um, yeah, and so I mean, I've, you know, I've done this piece longer, but it, it's just that this idea of playing from the keyboard, I suppose. Uh, I mean, it started really, I suppose, with, with the Gershwin works. Um, right. And even as a small boy, as you know, when I was about eight or nine, I used to watch Andre Previn conducting on this television program that he used to present on a Thursday evening, you know, Andre Previn's Music Night with the LSO. But of course, he, he played the piano and conducted the orchestra in the Gershwin works. So that's, in a way, that was probably the the kind of idea that I that I that I that I you know that that sort of you know gave me the idea to to do this. But although I was then I was not even thinking about becoming a conductor. <clears throat> so um this idea actually 
conducting from the keyboard. Yeah, I mean, we can only really work if you really know the work inside out. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's a disaster. So the idea of conducting the pool, like, uh, you know, as long as I had a, a console, that's where you play the, the organ, uh, that's low enough and you can position it in such a way that you can actually see the, the leader of the orchestra and the principal cellist. Um, it's quite straight, it's quite straightforward. And the way I go about it is like anything if I have to conduct and play is I have to really teach the orchestra to become their own conductor because there are some parts where I can't conduct them. So they have to remember certain things as a kind of instinct thing. So it's really a, a kind of process of, of, of chamber music, uh, uh, you know, tuition basically. Splendid. And yeah, so they have to remember certain things and um, uh, especially the tempi, that's, 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 that's the most important thing. I always sort of joke with them, you know, that, you know, unfortunately I only have two hands. So, you know, which my third hand, of course, is not, is not, is not, is not there. So my head has to become my third hand. But it's, it, it's just a question of, of learn, you know, of teaching them to remember and to uh, just take, just to take it on themselves, really, to, to, to just do it. I'm curious of one thing. I understand from friends who studied at the Montusco, and this, this is, I'm not meant to embarrass you because I had this conversation once with a student of Carl Böhm, actually a colleague of Carl Böhm, as far as how much does Carl Böhm really remember of Mozart symphonies? Did he really, but Monte would not allow his students to conduct unless they had their scores in front of them, unless they were able to go back into another room and write out the complete score by memory. Jeez, Jesus. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, I've conducted without score and pieces that I think I really know. If you ask me to write, to do the Montooth and go into the room and write every part, this would no. be tr troublesome, yes? Yeah. Yeah. Troublesome. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but a lot of it is, you know, how we how our ears, how we remember it. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of oral thing rather than a, right. than a, than a visual thing, isn't it? It's an oral memory, which Stokowski <laughs> apparently had in had tremendous amount of this. Yeah. yeah. Stokowski used to say that he could not conduct a score from without the without the score in front of him, but if once he heard it orally, he had complete oral memory, which I find fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I, and it. you, I think you have complete oral memory from what I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it is that. Yes. Let's talk about style. This to me is fascinating. You were brought up. And born, I think, in the UK, correct? Yes, 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 just outside Manchester. Of parents who were originally from Barbados. From Barbados, yeah. Uh, which I love. I love the whole Bayesian cuisine and the Bayesian life. I've been there. Great, yeah. And it's a beautiful place, but it's very different in, in cold and wet uh, UK or Manchester, of course. Oof. Very much. Uh, were your parents, are your parents musical? Parents musical, yes. Um, and... Um, you know, they 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 came from a very church-going fam, you know, background, and so this was instilled in us from you know from well from birth basically. And you know, we used, uh -huh. we used to go to church, and I think that without <clears throat> I don't think without that I would be the the musician I am that that I've become because you know it was really my my yeah. um, foundation, my building blocks for you know for 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 you know for being a musician. Did you play organ in church? I did, but not until much later. Uh, you know, what I mean, kind that, of church service was that? 
Well, it's Church of England, like Anglican. Um, I mean, the thing is, I, I, um, I mean, I'm, I started with piano when I was three, and then I started to play the organ maybe, you know, around about the age of 10, 11. Oh. Um, that was it. So that came later. But I mean, I've been hearing this instrument, you know, week in, week out. And, um, you know, I was just dying to get my hands on it because, you know, it was something that really fascinated me. And um, it wasn't, <coughs> it wasn't, it wasn't actually through the, you know, it, it actually happened when I was at my first school, actually, in, in, in Oldham. And the music, music teacher then just asked me to go and play a chord of G major on the organ. And, you know, and the rest is history, basically. That was it, you know, so... That's how I, I do want yeah. to talk about one thing. I'm not an organist, uh, but I have friends who are, like Anthony Newman, the great Bach player, who you may know. Yeah. And I know, I know that the touch is quite different than on a key, on a pianoforte. Is it not? Well, it is, Michael. Yes, <clears throat> it's just that, of course, that you know, the organ uh, is an instrument which uh, you know, it, it, the keyboard makes no sound. All the sound is generated, of course, by the the register, the stops, and the whole instrument, of course, is blown by by air. So uh, one really has to learn keyboard technique on a piano, where you have the strings and the, the hammers, and uh, I see. you make you 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 know you make the you create the sound basically by how hard or soft you hit the, the the keys. But um, organ playing is very much, uh, you know, it's 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 all based on, 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 on sound, on sound. But mm. the technique has to be created on the piano. That's very important. That's very interesting going that direction rather than the other direction. Now, the yes. one thing I did notice about your playing, which I find absolutely fabulous, you have 10 equal fingers. They all can do the same thing. You're not a right-handed person or a heavy no, 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 bass no, player. No, no. There are yeah. 10 equal fingers, which is astounding. And when you come down, it's with the force of your entire body. It's not just from the wrists, which is lovely. Um, I had on the show recently Natasha Paremsky, who's from the Russian school, who talked about joints coming from here and then the elbow and then the arm and then the wrist, that, them all working in tandem, which you see when you watch uh, Gilel's or Richter videos. Yes, you know, where they're yes. Literally going in. Not the Horowitz kind of flat fingers. Flat fingers, yeah. But they're literally going in that way. And I saw that in you as well. Do you think that's going on? That it's your full Obviously, body coming yeah, through yeah. your shoulders? I think so, because it's all very pianistic. I mean, I play the organ as if I'm playing the piano, basically. I mean, I'm trying to create sounds in the fingers. And uh, this is great. But, you know, it's, it's about the technique, though, Michael. It's about the technique. And this is very, very important this pianistic technique whereby it's a kind of virtuos virtuosic thing. And this is one thing that my teachers were always very keyed on. And uh, I was lucky to have a very fine piano teacher when I was at school in Manchester and a very fine organ teacher when I went to London, the World College of Music. And, uh, you know, combining these these disciplines, I mean, for me, it was all about, you know, calming me, you know, keeping me calm and, and disciplining, disciplining me in a way that I could perform, but in a way almost it's like an out-of-body experience where I can't watch myself performing. So mm. the energy is not sort of, you know, it's not, it's all about control and, you know, this is what's so fascinating about, about the technical Wonderful. aspect of it. Now we're going to segue into something else's style because this is something quite interesting. I grew up 
with my dad, who was a klezmer musician with a high squeaky clarinet, and he studied with the great klezmer artists here in the States. But he had another side of him which was very much found, founded in jazz and in classical music. So I, he took me to Carnegie Hall and all the other places at the, and the old Met, and I was able to be around Lenny in the early days and Stokowski and Anselme and Rubinstein and, and Milstein, yes, long list. This was my upbringing. But at the same time, I was going to Stan Kenton, Woody Herman, Louis Armstrong, Buck Clayton, Coleman Hawkins. See where I'm going? Yeah, perfect. So, so I was able to incorporate as a composer and sometimes conductor who conducts his own music and pianist these various styles. That's it. Which is a kind of a mixed salad. So let's talk about you. I noticed when you played the Gershwin, for example, that I heard on in the video, your style was completely what I would call correct. And the, you taught that orchestra how to do it too. You know, but you understand that innately in your, so, but with, with this classical training and with church, so where did that where did that come from? And then I might add, where does your improvisation talents come from? Well, let's let's talk about the improvisation um, part. Fascinating. I mean, when I started to play, I mean, I played by ear. I played by ear for, for what five or six years. So you know, when I started to have formal piano lessons, I mean, the the difficulty was to get me to you know to stop improvising and to start reading learning to read and to count and do all the things that i could do naturally but i had to learn to do it you see what i mean it's a, it was kind of the, the other way mm -hmm. so that was the hard part and but once i once i figured that all out all the theoretical theoretical side of music then it then it then it took on a, a, di a different dimension um the as far as the the the, the other stylistic things is concerned, I mean, the thing is that I've always understood this 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 thing about the idiom of of music and the style, and it's a lot of it is imitating and and uh, uh, you know, I mean, I was always fascinated with classical music, and then in the, in the early seventies when I was at school, it was it was the you know music of Stevie Wonder that that had a big influence, and also all of that jazz stuff that started to 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 infiltrate my classical playing. See. But wait, did you did you play in bands at all? I played in some, yes. I mean, I did play in some jazz jazz you know, jazz, jazz bands and some trios and things. But for me, it was always about it was always about um, you know being a, a classical classical pianist. Really, well, that's how I know of you. I did not know of this other side, but I was when I heard you improvise for quite a long time in Rhapsody, for example. Yeah. You you did not. You did not just stay in the style of Gershwin of 1925. You did your own contemporary improvisation. That's it. Yeah. Is there a yeah. compuls Is there a compulsion or a reason to expand that palette rather than be in, let's say, the style of 25 and use, you know, the jumping left hand? You did a bit of that. But some of it not. You were going in different directions. So why yes. the choice? Talk about that, please. I think it's just um, you know. I mean, as an organist, you know, I improvise all the time, and I mean, as a pianist, yes, I improvise all the time. That's right. But it's just that I'm I'm interested in 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 this sound world of of many different composers. I mean, 
I mean, I can I can get into the style of the 1920s and improvise in that way. But anyway, it's anyway it's nice to sort of bring a different dimension to the piece. Uh, whereas I'd like to just get into my own sound world and to always be aware of the fact that Beautiful. you know Walker has to join uh, Figure 28 in Rhapsody in Blue, and you, know, you have to get there. And but it's it still has to has some kind of form and some kind of identity about it. So. But it's really Brilliant. about my own sound world. This is this is the main thing. That's understood, and that's fine because then it comes from you organically. Otherwise, it's just, yeah, it's got it's got to be organic. Yes, I think so. I think so. So, so Wayne Marshall, organist, pianist, conductor. So, when did this happen, and how? What? Well, the and you're, case, you're an yeah. amazing conductor. I should tell the listeners if you go on WayneMarshall.com, and you look at your conducting gigs apart from a minor orchestra that you conducted at the Waldbühne last summer called the Berliner Philharmonica which is amazing to I'm a, my god I mean you go from St. Petersburg Petersburg straight through the continent straight into the UK into into the United States to the Far East you're all over the place and all major stuff and opera too so how did that happen? I started conducting when I was in college and then later privately, but that was to, you know, put out the message from what I'm trying to write. But for you as a performer, when did that jump happen and why? I think it happened when I was at Glyndebourne in 87. I was working with Simon Rattle um, uh, on Paul Gimbess. And um, I was then the repetiteur. Ah. So, you know, I had been... I learned the score for you know for the rehearsals, and I also performed in the operas. The pianist Jasper Brown, the very beginning, this big piano. Bum, 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 yeah, that's bum, the one. Bum, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So this was really my first introduction into the world of opera. I had no idea. I mean, I mean, I knew excerpts and Borgia and Best, but I didn't know the piece. So it was a great way of learning. I mean, you know, eight weeks of rehearsals and uh, you know and um, you know working with Simon, of course, and the chorus and being in the opera theater and so on was fantastic. But I mean, I had no, no um, desire at that point to be, a, to be a conductor, no chance. But at the same time, there was a documentary which was being made about me by, the, by Granada Television, Manchester-based television company. And Simon appeared on this program. And um, I remember him saying, the, uh, they were talking about me and so on. And he said to me, he said, to the presenter said, you know, so I'll give you a bet that in 10 years, Wayne Marshall will be conducting, will be a conductor. <laughs> and when I, when, I, when I saw that, when I saw the finished product, I said, what the hell is he talking about? Me being a conductor, no chance. But he was right. Yeah, I um, I started to conduct. And um, Simon and I, we both had the same management. Because Simon introduced me to his management, which was, which was then Asker Holt, Harold Holt, it was the one then in, in London. And, um, my then manager then uh, had this idea for me to conduct a, a youth orchestra in London, Merton Youth Orchestra. And the program was uh, Prince Igor's Overture, Borodin, the Crusel, Clarinet Concerto in F minor, and uh, Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony. Mm -hmm. And at school, at Chatham School of Music in Manchester, where I was a student, um, I played timpani. So I knew the Borodin and the Tchaikovsky very well. So I played the timpani part them. But the Crusade I didn't know at all, nor did I like the piece, so, you know. But the fact is that 
you know, I'd never conducted before. So it was very interesting to see how I was trying to conduct works which I sort of knew by ear, but had no absolutely zero technique at all, you know, you know really what was required to. You know, all I all I knew I wanted and I sort of knew in, in my head how I wanted to go, but showing it was another was another thing. That's right. And you know, with my lack of experience, of course, and the rehearsals went over time, and you know, a lot of a lot of very very disgruntled parents and their children say, "Oh, you know, why is this conductor going on?" You know. <laughs> so, but this is it. It's all part of the learning the learning curve. And I mean, I I never studied conducting formally. I've never studied conducting formally, so it's just been a question of just getting up and doing it. Well, that's after one studies. I mean, I, I, I'm friendly with a wonderful opera conductor, Daniela Candelari, who's never studied conducting. Yeah. She, she just conducted at the Met. Yeah, and we did, great. She's, she comes from a, a repetitor background, a repetitor background, that's a coach it. background. Yeah. That's she's it. A very, and she's an organically fine musician like that's you. So it. you just said something which is quite interesting, and it is showing them what they want, they need to see. Yes. One of my teachers, Harold Farberman, said that it's not what you think you're doing. It is the score tells you what to do so that they then do it. That's it. It's very, very interesting. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It is very interesting, yes. The score tells you what to do so they see it because they also have the scores. They also have their, their, their lives to play. So, so you have to show them. But let's get back to style and then we'll just finish with a few final thoughts. On style... When you're doing Poulenc versus you're doing a Gershwin piece, it's a very different milieu, although the French can really play jazz very well, as yeah, I yes. found. But how do you get, let's say, an Italian orchestra, like the La Verdi, to phrase the Poulenc in a way that will be of, you know, of, those, of that composer, who's a very special kind of composer, versus the line that you might need in a Tchaikovsky symphony or... The Gershwin, the all different styles. How are you imparting that in the the two or three rehearsals we, we get? Well, I suppose it's you know understanding this the 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 score and the music and the style and just try to you know to 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 work with the orchestra in a way that makes it work. Um, I mean that's that's a fa that's a fascinating thing with you know with with uh, with orchestra they're all they're all different organs are all different, but Every we have to somehow make what we have to make it sound good and it's all about the sound at the end isn't it? That's quite the sound. It, if you had a choice at this point because you're freelance conductor at this yeah. point I believe, but if you do, do you have any desire to be a music director in some city? Well, I was music director of the. Um, uh, VDR, WDR, uh, radio orchestra in Cologne. That I, know. that I know. Yeah, but I, would, I mean, I would love it. I would love to have the opportunity again, of course, you know, and it would be wonderful. Uh, but it's just that uh, in this day and age, it's a very, very, you know, it's a very competitive thing. And uh, But if someone comes knocking, I would gladly, you know, pick up the phone and say, you know, if they say they want me as their music director, I would love it. Well, I, I would hope it would happen because you have a very special thing that you that you say in your musicianship, which I am so thrilled to have experienced um, it, uh, online and through the many recordings you've got. And it it it, it comes from your being a total musician. Um, 
Is there repertoire you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? There is the one piece that I really want to do someday is Messias Tarangalila. It's a piece yeah. which I have to do with somehow. I just got to do this piece because yeah. this is a piece which I've known for many years and uh, it's such an exciting piece of music, challenging for both orchestra and conductor. But the overall effect of it <clears throat> is something that is so um, amazing and mind-blowing that, you know, you know, I just love to, just love to do it. And not playing the Ondas Martino, <laughs> you like to conduct a piece. No, I don't want to play it, I'm just going to conduct it. Have you played it as a pianist? <clears throat> Sorry. Have you played it as a pianist? Isn't there? No, that, that's a very difficult piano part, that. That's a horrendously difficult piano part. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, of all the various recordings I have of it, I mean, for me, the best recording of this piece is still the one that, that uh, 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 Michel Bechoff. No, wait a minute. Who's conducting it? No, who's conducting it now? Oh, yeah, sorry. Seijo Ozawa with the Toronto Symphony. Yeah, that's a very famous recording. With uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that 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 recording sounds to me like a film score. It just is, you know, it it just totally transcends all difficulties of this piece. I mean, it just sounds oh. so. Oh, you know, I was thinking of Michel Berhoff because he recorded um, the Valkyrie which is just a fantastic a recording. Oh, it is, yeah, it's, it's like as if he's actually improvising it all the pieces himself. You know, it's fantastic. I was actually at the premiere of From the Canyons to the Stars when he was there, when Messiaen was there with his wife. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, yes. and she performed in the piece. It was conducted by Frederick Waldman in, at, uh, at, uh, in New York. It was quite something. Oh, great, yeah. Imagine. But there's no burning burning desire to conduct the complete Mahler and Bruckner symphonies in you? Not really. I mean, if I had to conduct <laughs> one of the Mahlers, I'd love to conduct Seventh, the Seventh. For me, that's that's my favorite of all the Mahler symphonies. Let's talk about that quickly and then we're gonna go because I adore that piece and look what's happened to be right here. Oh yes. It just yeah. happens to be here. By be coincidence, there, yeah. not any preparation. I have the Bartok string quartets right here too. Yeah. Why Mahler 7, which in many people's view is the trouble child of the- The trouble, yeah, that finale. No, it's, it's, I find it just an amazing piece, it's just, all the different all the different moods that he goes through this funereal first movement and then this, this wonderful uh, second movement the scared so uh, this finale this finale and well, then, this, then the slow movement as well but i don't know there's something about it that's i mean it, it's it's in which case it's in b minor right mm -hmm. yes b minor but it ends in c major the whole piece ends in c major think about that <laughs> yeah you know well, that but, brings but us to a, the point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's quite, a, it's quite an, an experience that we must uh, all hear. I want you to do Mahler 7 and Turangalila on the same program. <laughs> Ooh, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Can you imagine? Ooh, I love that. that would at, the be Albert, something, at the Albert Hall and at Carnegie Hall. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. I think that would be something else. I, you know, would die happy, I think, then. You know, I think we will. Yeah, well, I'll definitely be there. Organist, pianist, conductor extraordinaire Wayne Marshall. Thank you so much for being on Interplay. Well, thank you, Michael, for the invitation. And uh, it's, it's been fun. I, mean, I feel that we could go on talking for a few hours yet. Actually. Well, we will. We will. I'm not going to let you go. Yeah. I know I know how to reach you now. So listen, thank you, Wayne. Maestro Thanks Marshall. Thanks so much. Thank this you. Is Michael Sh thank you. This is Michael Shapiro, your host on Interplay Conversations and Music. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>